Uh, I titled today's sermon, uh, Thankful for Believers, okay? Uh, Thankful for Believers. Uh, We're going to be picking up again Ephesians. My goal is, Lord willing, we finish in a year, okay? Uh, Or sooner. Um, But today we're going to be just looking at two verses. um, And really the theme for today is being thankful for believers. And I want to ask you guys this question. Uh, I know right now we are not meeting right because we are in semi lockdown or, or that kind of thing, but um, I'm already thinking, already preparing our hearts, I think it's important to think about already, um, why is the church meeting with the church important? Some of us might feel, oh, we don't have to go through traffic, you could wear your jammies, right? You could just be online, uh, you'll always make it on time, or reasonably late by just one minute or so, right? That kind of thing. But why is it important to meet together as a body of Christ in 4047 North Durfee Avenue, Elmani, right? Why is that important? Why is that important to meet physically, congregate? Uh, And I think one of the reasons is, as we see, is we are a time to meet and fellowship with one another and also to be thankful for believers, okay? So today, I want to challenge us by asking yourself the question is, have you been thankful for other believers? And I think the diagnostic question uh, to see whether or not you're thankful to believers, as we're going to see here, there is part of Christian life you will be should be thankful for others. But the greatest way you could find out whether or not you're thankful uh, to God for other believers is how do you pray? How do you pray? Have you ever gone to God, to God, and thanked the Lord for the believers that surround your life? Okay. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we could even be praying for others more about their problems. That Lord, grow them. Whatever else, there's a place to pray for people to grow. But also among our prayers, have we neglected even our prayer of thanksgiving to God? Specifically, not thanksgiving only of our circumstance, but also thanksgiving to God for other believers in our life. And listen, I think we realize in a day, you know, we're going through this thing with coronavirus right now, right? Everyone's meeting in their own home in Zoom. You know, the funny thing about Zoom is, uh, you know, like when you think about it, we could be very selective. Are we not? Okay. For instance, right now, some of you guys might have, uh, you know, uh, you guys could view certain individuals, right? Or you could zoom in, right? And, uh, and you know, one of the th- good things about going to church, seeing others face to face, is you just run and encounter others, okay? And then, but part of it in our day and age, we could easily be go to Zoom and just only look at, oh, I want to see this guy and his room, okay? And there's certain individuals that you normally, you know, avoid. Now you could just stare. And just look in the privacy in this weird thing, right? Or, or that you're not able to what? Uh, you don't. Ha- you could be very selective who you meet and how you fellowship. So I think part of one of the reasons why church is important. And I hope this is something as soon as uh, situation's clear. Um, you know that we would be able to meet regularly is also to meet others, to fellowship with others, to see them face to face, to know about them, so you could also pray for them. The petition, the requests, but also ultimately, also thank God for believers, okay? So today, these two verses, um, what we see these two verses, we're going to see three uh, thanksgiving, or uh, three points, okay? Uh, we're going to see three points uh, so that we would thank uh, God for be- other believers today, okay? If you're taking notes, these are the three points, okay? If you're taking notes, these are the three points. Point number one, thank God for other believers' faith, okay? Thank God for other believers' faith. This is taught in the first half of verse 15. The first half of verse 15, okay? Number one, thank God for other believers' faith, okay? Thank God for other believers' faith. This is point one, based upon verse 15, first half, okay? 
Point number two, if you're taking notes, point number two is thank God for other believers' love, okay? Thank God for other believers' love. Thank God for other believers' love. This is taught in verses 15, second half, okay? Uh, Second half of verse 15. And the third point is thank God for other believers regularly, okay? Thank God for other believers regularly. Uh, This is taught in the first half of verse 16. Um, that this should be a habit is what I'm trying to emphasize. This should be a regular routine that we thank God, not just only once a year in Thanksgiving, but in terms of a regular habit of the Christian life, okay? A regular habit of the Christian life, okay? So with these three points, let me repeat again. Thank God for other believers' faith. Thank God for other believers' love. And thank God for other believers regularly. With these three points, I want to just talk about situating. I know we haven't looked at Ephesians in a while, okay? But we must, I think the Bible, when we look at a Bible verse, is like a pearl, okay? Uh, When you look at one pearl, John Piper often say this, when you look at a Bible verse, it's like a pearl. It's so beautiful. It has so much great truth of God. But sometimes the Bible is not just meant to be one pearl. It's really a, a necklace, a pearl necklace. You connect one with the other, okay? So we want to ask in Ephesians 1, uh, verses 15 to 16, how does this tie into everything we looked at, okay? Uh, while we're going to be only looking at two verses, uh, I think that's a logical order. This is the part of Thanksgiving. Uh, really, the prayer, this is actually a really long sentence, okay? This is a really, in actuality, a very long sentence by Paul. And the sentence actually runs from verses 15 to 23, okay? Verses 15 to 23. And verses 15 to 23 is a focus of Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesians, okay? For the prayer for the church in Ephesians. Now, we read this prayer, you're going to see, yes, that he's going to be looking at them. He's thanking God for them. But later, as he goes to his prayer, even more content, he's really focusing even on Christ and God, okay? And what he has done for all of us, not just only the believers in Ephesians. He's praying that they would know what God has done, that they would internalize it, and that they'll have application and they'll change their life even also as well, okay? So this is what the context is, and this is building upon what we saw earlier, uh, months earlier, if you guys remember. It's Ephesians 1, in the beginning, he's just telling right away, I mean, Paul's just so excited about God. He's right away saying, what is the riches we have in God? What is the riches we have in Christ? If you remember verses 3 to uh, 14, he's describing the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to save us, right? All those themes, if you guys remember, redemption, sealing, uh, right, down payment, all of those things are described what God has done. Then he goes over Thanksgiving, which is a little different order because usually Paul, usually after a salutation, he goes into Thanksgiving. But then in this uh, letter, it's different, is that he doesn't go into Thanksgiving prayer first. In the middle of that, he's focusing on God, telling them. In other words, why Paul wrote this is that he's so excited to talk to the, this individual, uh, to this church about what God has done that he can't help but to even before he's thankful, he wants to say, hey, what has God has already done for them and for all of us, including himself, including even as application for us believers today, okay? So in light of this, in verses 15 to 16, he begins Thanksgiving prayer where he commends, where he um, encourages what they are doing right, okay? And then next week onward, Lord willing, verses 17 to 23, we're going to see what Paul prays specifically for them to actually know, to internalize, to to have in their heart that they know. And therefore, in light of that, of course, we're going to see towards the end of Ephesians, application. In other words, knowing what God has done for us, it should change our life, okay? So this is why we're looking at verses 15 to 16 with the focusing on what he commends them, 
what really he commends because he's thankful to God working their life. In verse 17 to 23, he's going to focus and say, Hey, I want you guys, you church in Ephesians, to know deeply, really internalize, live it deep in your heart and your mind what God has done for all of us, okay? Uh, like I said earlier, this is a really long sentence. Um, Paul, by the way, has a lot of very long sentences, okay? If you're an English lit major, uh, or if you're in an English class, you might say, oh, this is really bad grammar. Very, very long sentence, okay? But it's grammatically still correct, uh, you know, in the Greek. But I think why he has a lot of long ones, uh, this is actually 169 words, okay? Um, compared to earlier, what we look at the first part of Ephesians, right? It's like 200-something words. Um, is why, I think, is because he's so excited. He can't help but this not stop continuously saying what God has done for us. And by the way, that should be our life, too. Why we study theology, why we go through all these things of redemption, adoption, all those things, if you guys remember um, in the beginning of this year, is so that we could actually thank God in, uh, in our life. And listen, I think this coronavirus reminds us something, right? That in our day and age, we cannot only depend upon circumstance and say, Oh, God loves me only if I get a nice house, a car, a good job, right? All those things can come and go, okay? I think for most of us, it could be very hard to imagine that in the whole U.S. right now, there'll be actually a semi-shortage of things in the supermarket, right? It's kind of hard. Humanly speaking, you think, ah, oh, you know, the United States might have a big engine of an economy, right? And globalism, and, and there's always a demand here, and there's a lot of suppliers worldwide. But this reminds us that, hey, you know what? We are not as amazing. And, and when things work, it's still by the grace of God, okay? So really, our focus of hope, at least for me, um, I hope this whole season, you've been growing in God. And this is a reminder for us why this is, theology is important. Why study the deep things of God is to say, hey, this is how much God has already loved us by saving us and redeeming us, okay? So in light of this, let's go to point number one, is thank God for other believers' faith, okay? Thank God for other believers' faith, okay? Thank God for other believers' faith. This is taught in the first half of verse 15. Let me read again verse 15. It says, For this reason, I too, having heard the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you. Okay? Um, here uh, we see it opens up with giving us one thing, one, a detail of one tr point of what Paul is thankful for. Okay? But before we even look further, look with me in verses 16. Verse 16 is his main action verb, which is what? Giving thanks, okay? Giving thanks. Uh, we'll talk more about what giving thanks mean uh, more in depth later when we get to our third point. But why he's describing everything in this part is he wants to thank God for the believers, okay? He wants to thank God for the believers. Verse 15 reveals what Paul is thanking God in his prayer for, Okay? Uh, if you ask this question, or you look at verse 15, it begins, For this reason, you might ask, what is this referring to? I think this is describing everything that appears before. Everything that appears before in verses, uh, 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 verses 3 to 14. Remember all that God has done? Now, in light of all this, what is the application? Is it just for us to know? Is it just to have head knowledge? But no, it's to say that we should change even the way we pray. Specifically, how we pray for others, Okay including thanking God for what He's doing in the life of others, okay? So in light of this, He's talking about what God has done, and also He's looking at the believers, and with these two, focusing on God, and also looking uh, at the believers, what God is doing in this church, now it's going to be culminating, climaxing, and praying for them, and thanking God for what God is working in them. And here what is specifically mentioned 
is actually their faith. Okay, uh, do you guys see this where it says I too in the uh, in the verse? Okay, do you guys see the phrase I too in verses 15? I think that might be something so small we could miss. But I think it is important to notice that observation is that everything before Paul puts himself in the same shoes as the Ephesians. When it comes time to describe God's grace, every one of us is recipient of God's grace. Okay, Because every one of us are sinners. Is Paul a sinner? Yes, right? Is the Apostle Paul a sinner? Yes, he's a sinner. Okay, um, Is he recipient of God's grace? Yes. Okay, So that's why if you look in verses of the earlier part, when he described what God has done to save us, he puts himself in the same shoe as the church believers right? in Ephesians. He's no different than them. In the fact that he needs God's grace, he's a sinner in need of God's grace. That's why if you look in the earlier section, in verses 3 to 14, you see a lot of us and we, okay? Us and we. Because he's putting himself and saying, hey, I'm no better than you. I'm saved by God's grace. But when you all of a sudden see in verses 14, when he suddenly says, I too, he separates himself for the moment with the Ephesians. So why he focuses on that, he separates himself, is to say, hey, this is my personal prayer. This is my personal prayer for who? Listen, for the church, for the believers. He's not separating himself to say he's better, but he's separating to say, hey, this is my own personal life. This is my own personal prayer. And I want you to be encouraged that I too have been thinking about you and praying for you, okay? So now with that, let's look at the content of his prayer. His prayer specifically for the Ephesians in Thanksgiving. It says, quote, The faith in the Lord Jesus Christ which exists among you, okay? The phrase in the Greek uh, when it says the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ which exists among you, literally is the faith with regards to you. And I think what is trying to, the way the Greek structure is kind of uh, unique in this, I think it's trying to put in such a way that this is a very, that their faith is their own. Listen, um, I know sometimes, uh, especially when we're young, especially for those that are young, sometimes you might be going through, uh, I know a lot of times, having seen this even in our church, people in high school might start wondering, wait, why do I go to church? Is Christianity mommy and daddy's thing? Or is it my own life? Okay, Is my faith my own? Or is this something I'm just regurgitating and saying out of mouth just because my parents or my grandparents say, hey, we must trust in God. And then we just go through the motion of all of that. Listen, Paul is saying in verses 15, he's thankful to God for the fact in the way the Greek syntax, or the structure, or the sentencing, and the word order is he's trying to make an emphasis that he's thankful to God that they have faith. But this is a faith that's generally their own, okay? They're not just doing it because, oh, it's polite to say you're a Christian, okay? Or there might be some other benefits for, to say you're a Christian. By the way, in this time and age, when they say they're a Christian, it might not be necessarily a happy thing the, the rest of society would like, okay? Um, and also, that means that they might be even be, what, persecuted, okay? Um, if you remember from the book of Acts, if you remember from the book of Acts, the city uh, of Ephesus, which Paul's writing his letter to. Do you remember some of the things that happened to Paul when he was there? Was he hurt by others? Did other people want to hurt him? Yes. Okay. In fact, in, uh, in Acts okay, 19, you even see that there was a riot. Okay, There was even a riot. People did not like Christians. But yet this faith is their own. They say, I still want to trust in God, even though outwardly, in our timeline, it, it, humanly speaking, there might be even things that you might be physically hurt, you might be persecuted, you might even die for your faith. But now Paul is saying, hey, you know, and despite all these human obstacles, you put your have a genuine faith in God. And for that, Paul is what? Listen, thankful for their faith, okay? Faith. And faith is basically trust, okay? 
faith is basically trust. Okay, is basically trust. Okay, um, basically is who you put your confidence in or what you put your confidence in. Okay, uh, the word confidence, by the way, is from the Hebrew. Uh, no correction, the Latin word con, and the word fide. Fide, you guys probably know right away is what the word meaning faith. Okay, con means with or in. That is, where do you find your faith in? Okay, this is why I emphasize a lot that for us, our confidence is, uh, I, I do believe um, in talking about confidence, uh, our confidence is why I want to emphasize a lot, is must be in who? God. That's why faith, is the word is, root word is right, faith in God, okay? Uh, so when I often say, oh, don't put confidence in yourself, I'm not saying, oh, be, think as miserably as possible so that in your life you don't do anything at all. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we must be confident in God, but God also confident that if you are a believer, confident or having trust that God is working in you. That's a very different attitude than say, oh, I'm going to trust myself. That's self-reliance, self-dependence. And I think, by the way, we all fall short and we all have limitation. But confidence in God working in us is a very different thing. The object first is God. And you believe that God's all-powerful. That he's able to work and change you, okay? So when you look here, Paul is thankful that they had confidence in God. That they had trust in God. Uh, and specifically what it says, the object of their faith is it says what? The faith in the Lord Jesus which existed among you, okay? That is, he's thankful that they are believers. That they are saved, okay? That they have trusted in Christ. That they, because they've trusted in God and Christ as Lord and Savior, they will be going to heaven, not because of any good thing we've done, but because of what God has done. Because we can't save ourselves, and Christ died for us to save us. And He's thankful that they have believed and trusted in Him, okay? How did Paul hear about the Ephesians' faith, okay? Do you see the part where it says in the first part, verses 15, having heard of, okay? I want to focus a little bit of how did Paul hear about this, okay? At this time, Paul was in jail, okay? He was in jail. Think about this for jail. By the way, today, people in jail, do they have internet access as equally, as easily as most of us? No, okay? And how much more you might say that's a difficult thing? Because back then, there was no internet. There was no email. How was it possible, okay? I think very likely, uh, Paul would have been gone for about four years away from them. He's been gone four years away from them. And yet, Paul loved these believers enough that he could write a letter, give it to one of his friends, to physically walk over there and d deliver this, okay? This is how much Paul loves them, okay? By the way, in order, you cannot praise God for other people's faith if you don't love them. Actually, it's even harder if you hate them, right? True or not. So you see that the, a, a big driving force, the presupposition is that we must love other believers, Okay? So he says, it says here, having heard, and how did he hear? Very likely he might have had friends that came to him, reported uh, to him. And while they're talking, he's wondering and concerned about them. Paul's love for them and encouragement is quite deep since, right, think about it. He's in prison. Instead of feeling sorry for himself, he's thinking about what? Others, okay? He's thinking about others. And I think what, what in the Greek, this participle, as a participle, I think what he's trying to do is saying that Paul, having heard this, he first heard it, and then Ephesus, after hearing this, what is the reaction? Is he's thanking God for them. They might not be able to hear him pray out loud because they're separated by distance and also because he's in jail and they are free. But he makes very clear that he's thankful for them, hearing about them, okay? So we must thank God for other people's faith. 
that is we that they trust in God. Okay. So as application, as application now, we know, okay, listen, we know we must thank God for other people having faith. Okay. So it leads to this question, okay? Number one. You can't be thankful to God for someone's faith if you don't care to hear about other people's faith, okay, and how they're doing. Okay. You cannot really, you won't, you won't desire to. You won't it won't even be your mind to be thankful for other people's faith if you don't even care for them, if you don't hear them out, okay? Do you care for God's people and ask how they're doing spiritually, okay? Um, this is why meeting together as a church is a beautiful thing, okay? I know there's limitation with Zoom, right? Most churches, I think, uh, big churches in the States, we don't even, they don't even do Zoom. It's just live stream. You just see the pastor go up and do his dog and pony show. And then it's like, okay, tune in next week, okay? You don't even see anyone. When you see a little bit of the room, it's just empty, right? And, but yet, I think I'm thankful to God that we could be of capacity, that we could actually do Zoom. But it's still not the same. Because when we do prayer requests, we're still what? Um, it's hard to have everyone pray for others, right? Um, communication, how much you guys could share is less, okay? Um, but for my view, I think biblically, the church is not just a pastor going up there doing his dog and pony show and spitting out truth, okay? The church is, listen, your t- is the place where you serve. Where do you serve? Is right after service is over, when we say the last amen, that's the time for you to shine and to serve for the Lord, right? To ask, hey, brother, how are you? So we need to definitely be concerned for others by asking them, how are they doing, okay? Of course, you need to know about them, okay? Whether from friends or uh, a second application question, don't just listen to hear what's wrong with people. We often do that, do we not? Uh, sure, we must be discerning. Sure, when there's something wrong with someone, there's a time that we need to speak up. But I think also as well, sometimes before we even speak about what's wrong with others, we should take it to God in prayer first. But don't just only hear what's wrong with people, but even be thankful to God for what? What God is doing. In that person's life, okay? Uh, I'm a firm believer as a pastor, even as we hear what's wrong with people, even as I know what's wrong with people, I think uh, as I keep an eye out for what God is working, you could always often see, hey, sometimes God is working in this area also as well, okay? By the way, sometimes um, people, uh, when they struggle with sin, even the fact that they see their sinfulness is by the grace of God, true or not, Okay? Do you guys ever have this in your Christian life? Sometimes it feels like the more you grow in God, the more you feel like, man, I'm being more and more sinful. Do you guys ever feel this? Raise your hand. I feel that, right? As I grow more, it's like, man, am I getting more sinful? Am I going backwards or am I going forward? Okay. And sometimes it is we go backwards, but sometimes it's not we're going backwards. Sometimes also as well, the sign that we grow more as a believer is that we are able to see our own character for what it really is. Okay. If I could give an example, just as an analogy, okay. Let's just say you're eating in the dark, okay? You're eating in the dark, okay? And you're a messy eater. You're eating in the dark, right? And you're wearing your clothes, okay? You're eating all the food in the middle of dinner, okay? And then you get all the crumbs over, okay? And then you accidentally spill it. Oh, okay, I spilled, okay? This is, oh, okay. Now, in the dark, you might be saying, okay, well, I, I feel that spill. I know I'm not super clean. But as you get closer to the light, what happens? You discover, oh, whoa, okay, uh, now I see it's not just crumbs, but man, uh, I just had, what? I just had uh, grape juice, and man, this looks like it's kind of red. It looks like I'm bleeding. I'm blood. Right? So as you get closer to light, you're, it's not as if all of a sudden you get closer to light. It's like, oh, man, uh, with each second, you're getting more dirtier. 
But you discover that, oh, whoa, now that you're in, cl- getting closer to God and God is light and Christ is light, it now reveals that, oh, whoa, there is a lot more thing. And you're like, wow, I am so wrenched. You know what? Listen, my brothers and sisters, sometimes that's the way with other believers. As they're growing more, as they're growing more, suddenly they're discovering, oh, they are super sinful. The things they used to do that's sinful never bothered them before. But now coming to life, they're seeing it for what it is. And they're telling you and they're sharing with you. And you see it. That, so rather than being always automatically right away knee-jerk upset, realizing, hey, part of it sometimes is like, hey, they're convicted. Or they're, they're being exposed to their sin. And that's also God's working. Just like with you, God has been patiently exposing your sin. And so that you gently... Have you realized when you first got saved... Even with all your guilt that you have, I remember all these guilt getting saved. But even then, guess what? God was also still gracious because He did not reveal fully everything, right? Everything. He was still gracious and gentle. Listen, in the same way, my brothers and sisters, we must be gentle. And even when the midst of seeing people sin, we can see sometimes, oftentimes, if you're paying attention carefully, you also see, hey, this is what God is working in their life. And that's a reason to celebrate and still be thankful to God. Again, not excusing sin, but still being thankful that God is working, that they have faith, that they trusted in God, okay, Uh, with that. So don't just listen to what's wrong with people. Listen to where their faith is on display, okay? So when someone comes to you and say, oh man, I'm so convicted, you know, things, I messed up this in work, or also I messed this up in my relationship with my parents, or you know what, I have this problem in my marriage, rather than right away just be on a quick on the rebuke, sometimes listen and say, oh, okay, God is working. They're discovering that love is hard. They need a love as Christ's love, but you thank God that they still trust in God, well, that they're working. So in the same way, be thankful to God, okay? Also remember as application, recall how Paul was in prison. And yet, he still wanted news from the Ephesians, did he not? He was intentional. So the same thing also as well. Even though we are separated from one another physically, can we still find out how one another, how we are doing with one another? Can we? Is it more, listen, listen, is it more easier to find out how we are doing among one another in our day and age, in 2020, or in Paul's day and age? What do you guys think? Some of you guys might say, oh, Paul had revelation from God. Yeah, I know that's true, but I think God didn't always turn that on, okay? I think humanly speaking, the one that's harder is actually Paul's day. He was in jail. Communication was snow. Not snow, slow, okay? Uh, was slow, okay? Snail mails were really snail mail pace back then, okay? And yet today, we have what? We have emails. I know people don't always respond to email, but that's one means of communicating. You could text, okay? You could what? Phone them, okay? You could go to their Facebook, their TikTok, whatever else, whatever else. You could physically call them and talk, okay? Um, all these things, okay? How much more should we be able to ask, hey, how are you doing, okay? So well, let's thank God for other people having faith, okay? And by the way, sometimes we should be just thankful, even when there's no other good news. There's, all, there's a lot of messages. Praise the Lord that they're even safe, that they have faith, okay? That they're not an enemy. That God has made them your brother and your sister. Okay? So let's go to point number two. If point number one is thank God for other believers' faith, second point is thank God for other believers' love. Okay? Thank God for other believers' love. Notice in verse 15, it says, And your love for all the saints. Okay? Two marks of a Christian is mentioned here in verse 15 faith and love. Say this after me faith and love. Okay, these should be the two characteristics. These should be the two signs that you're a believer. You have faith in God, 
But faith in God is not just only a pie-in-the-sky theology. It should also impact how you relate to other people, which is what? Loving others, okay? Notice here what Paul is thankful for. By the way, Paul is, cons- is he's noticing their vertical relationship, that is their relationship with God, and their horizontal relationship of how they are with other people, okay? And he's thanking God for both of it in terms of vertical relationship, that they have faith in God. And secondly, in terms of horizontal relationship, that they have what? Love, as it says here, for all the saints. That is for other believers, okay? So let's see a little bit more closer of what is Paul thankful for. And it says here in verse 15, your love, okay? Um, what is love, okay? Today, you listen to a lot of songs. It's all about what? Oftentimes, it's about love, okay? But if you really pay attention carefully, sometimes a lot of these, it's not about love. It's not a biblical definition. It's not how God views love. But it's actually a lot of times, it's less, okay? So we must ask the question, what is love, okay? What is love, okay? Love is an attitude. And here I'm going to quote John MacArthur, okay? Love is an attitude of being selfishly sacrificial, leading one to do generous deed of kindness towards others, Okay? So I just read that, and I just want to throw out the key words you see. It's selfish, right? No, correction. Selfless, okay? Um, oh, man, I actually wrote selfish. It's self, okay? Selflessly, sacrificial, okay? Generous, and kind, okay? Those key words that you see there, okay? Uh, you also see, also as well, it's, I think it's more than an emotion. It is emotion. There is an emotion, Okay? But it's more than that, okay? For instance, uh, I know some people say, uh, you know, a Christian is, uh, they capture part that's true, right? Love is more than a feeling. It's true, right? But I also would say that if I were to get, let's just say it's Valentine's Day, it's my wife's anniversary in marriage, if I get her flowers, but I have no emotion whatsoever, I would say that husband's like, hey, you probably need to repent. You're probably not love if there's no emotion at all. It's like, no, I just got to do it. It's my job, you know? Is what is expected. You know, I don't want to get in trouble. Then I'll say, hey, there's something also wrong. Maybe if there's no emotion whatsoever, you, it might be a sign that you don't have genuine love that God wants. Okay, But I would also say it's more than emotion. It's more than emotion. It's also an issue of the will. It's an issue of commitment also as well. Okay? Uh, just we already discussed love before in January when we looked at Ephesians because when the word first appeared. But just a reminder, what is love? I think is contrasted. The uh, Greek word here is agape. It is contrasted. It's more family love. It's contrasted with eros, where we get the word erotic from. Okay, um, I think in the contrast shows us what love is in a more deeper way. Okay, uh, agape in contrast to eros is agape. Uh, eros is often what. You're acting on impulse, right? Just like erotic thing. Uh, often, um, we can think of sinful example of eros, right? Where it's more of impulse. It's like, oh, I feel something, I gotta do it, okay? Whereas agape, I think, is an idea of you're deliberately thinking about what is right and wrong. And what is the best for the other person you do this, okay? In other words, it's not selfish, but it's other-centered, okay? It's centered upon others, Another contrast with eros with agape is that eros often is focusing on whatever you have um, erotic love for. You're often focusing on the object's um, characteristics or attribute. And that's the center saying, oh, this is why it deserves my love because it's worthy of the object. But agape, on the other hand, is not focusing on whether or not the person is worthy, but you're just going to surely do it because you love them, you care for them, okay? So that should challenge us, by the way, that when we show love in the church, it's not because the other person is, uh, is worthy, okay? 
Uh, none of us are worthy of God's love, and yet God loves us. And therefore, that should also say, if we understand that, we love others. And by the way, this gives us incredible strength, focusing on the gospel, to love those in our family, our friends and co-workers, and even people in the church that are, and outside the church that are difficult, and even, even our enemies. That's what God wants, okay? I know we live in a day and age, we see on Facebook, people put all these tweets and stuff like that, that, oh, we got to get rid of toxic people in life. But what happens if you can't get rid of toxic people in your life? What happens when you have a duty and a moral obligation? This is where we got to go to God and say, did he love us? Are we toxic to God? Yeah, right? We take abuse, grace, and all these things. But yet, in light of all this, when you internalize and understand how much God loves you, therefore you love other people. And love, and when you see other believers display this love, you can say, you know what? Praise God that they display this kind of love. Okay? They display this kind of love. Okay, And notice the direction of the Ephesians uh, love. It goes on in verses 15, says what? For all the what? saints, okay? Uh, saints, I know today we have the Catholic Church, which uh, does not teach a biblical gospel. They teach that you got to do all these good things to go to heaven, right? That's why you see their church um, rites and rituals and mass. And By the way, even Catholics, some of the Catholic Church, yeah, uh, I think um, it's not the same. You know, sometimes you see Christians say, even among Christians, they say, oh, Catholic Church is the same as Christianity, like Protestant Christianity or Biblical Christianity. I would say it's different, not just only because there's Pope and the idea of marriage, uh, uh, Mary and stuff like that. But, but if you read ca the Catholic Catechism, they say, and I'm not saying this to bash, but this is what their own statement is. In order to get great God's grace, you have to go to church. By the way, does the Bible says we have to go to church to get uh, uh, God's grace? No, that yeah, we don't. That doesn't mean we don't go to church, okay? But rather, the difference is this. When you know God has saved us, when He's been so gracious to you, and He says, hey, go to church. Then you're like, oh, I go. Not because you're earning a way to go to God, to be right. But now that God is giving you the free grace of salvation, and He says, and God says, hey, this is now my family. Why would you not want to? Do you guys see the difference of grace? One could easily be... So the Catholic Church in certain areas, especially in a very heavily Catholic area, some of them still say, we got to still... Uh, because it was going around the time of their... Um, what do you call that holiday? Um, oh, what do you call those days? Before the holiday, the um, uh, between Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, Lent, okay? Where they say, you know, people still got to go through. You know, Palm Sunday, people got to come through to get their palms, okay? To, for the, have the blessing for the rest of the year. So they have to have drive-through communion or whatever else with that, okay? Uh, so in light of this, what I'm trying to say is this, that this believe, the word saint, is we should not read it according to the Catholic way. Saints is special Christians that are super good, that somehow they've done good things, and then we could also get merit from them. But the Bible says here that grace comes from one mediator, Christ alone. The word saints means simply believers. Okay, the word saint, hagios in the Greek, just basically is the word sanctified. Sanctified ones. The one that has been set apart. And listen, that includes you and I, all believers. No matter, by the way, this is beautiful. No matter where you are in your walk with God, some, you guys realize, struggle more. Some, uh, you know, like, oh, wow. Awesome Christian, and yet they, uh, we all go up and down our ba battles, right? But yet in all of this, no matter what, God calls us all saints already. Saints have said that God has set us apart, saved us, and are now His people to represent and love other people so that other people will see His love also as well. So here we see this word here, um, and I think this is actually, He's thankful to God that they are 
truly show the signs of a believer. In fact, their love for other believers show that they are disciples. Put your pinky and thumb in Ephesians 1. And turn with me real quick to John chapter 13 verse 35. John chapter 13 verse 35. Um, Josh, if you're still there. I don't know if you're still there, Josh. If you could read John chapter 13 verse 35. Is Josh still with us? Okay. Um, Eric, would you be able to read that out loud for us? Just real quick, so I could catch my breath. Uh, John 13, uh, 35? Yes. Said? Yes. By all... By... This all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Yeah, that's a mark, you know. Um, listen, being an unloving Christian is kind of an oxymoron. Yeah, we do struggle with love, but to have no love or no desire to even grow in love, that might be a mark that you might not truly have understand how much God has loved you and shown grace. Because John thirteen thirty five, this is Jesus Christ, the last night before He died. He made it very clear that one of the marks that other people would know you're a believer, is you have love for others, yes, but also for one another. One another mean other believers, okay? So when you go back to Ephesians, the mark of a believer is there for the Ephesians. They have love for one another, okay? Uh, and that's something to thank God for, okay? So as application, can you name a believer you see an example of showing love? Can you think of an example within the church, someone that shows love, they could say, hey, that's a person that's showing an example that I could follow. But also, not just only as an example, but also say, hey, thank God. I thank the Lord that this person does show love, okay? And if you can't, don't right away think, oh, no one shows love at church, okay? By the way, be very careful of absolute statement, okay? If you ever in your life you say things like, oh, everyone in the church is just selfish, or everyone in the church doesn't love, um, be very careful that kind of reasoning. That often, I think, reveals that we probably... Uh, weren't very charitable or gracious in how we interpret others, okay? But here with this is that when you know people more, you would see that people are loving, okay? Uh, think of an example. Is there anyone that you know? And if you don't know as much, that also might be a sign that it's good to try to learn and know more about other people, okay? So you could also go to God in thanksgiving for God has done, you know? I think of practical examples too. This is why... Um, one of the things I'm thankful to church, I know it might seem a little more physical instead of like a super spiritual reason to be thankful for is uh, I really am glad that uh, less than a year ago, you guys thought about the idea of a hospitality corner. You guys remember church? Man, I feel like uh, my church experience is so different now, okay? Like before we go to church, it's like, okay, you know, afterward we just talk or whatever, okay? But man, I love how when I go to church, I see that someone set up the, you know, like, and it's more than one individual, okay? I see Ben and Noel getting there, trying to set things up, right? I see Mr. Burton goes up there, want to make sure the coffee's there. I see that, whoa, there's coffee. You know, I see Eric stocking up uh, all the paper towels, okay? Boy, if we were only using toilet paper early before there, right? It was, it's all fully stocked up there, right? I see people are paying attention. People are throwing away things, right? People are cleaning things up. You know, Victor and Wendy bringing the ramens, right? The different kinds of ramen, right? I kind of love how, you know, people bring um, different tea, right? 
you know, I'm sure there's more names than I've mentioned, okay? I'm just giving an example, okay? I, I love my wife, you know, when I say, hey, let's bring ramen. To me, it's just a hypothetical theory, and she already, it's like, Jimmy, I already bought it. Don't worry. It's like, whoa, that's, wow, praise the Lord, right? I'm so thankful for that, right? And I love how after church is over on Sunday, I could just sit there with a few people, you know, uh, whoever's remaining, counseling, right? Or sometimes, you know, listening to Victor playing the music, and eventually it ends up, he plays like, I don't know, uh, backsliding boys or something like that, right? And, and all of this, right? And, and all these things, you know, and, you know, Paul strumming his guitar and all these things, and just enjoying just like, wow, I could have coffee, or not, not coffee, tea, right? And just being able to have fellowship. And that's a practical, tangible way of people showing love. Listen, when you're there, it, it's not by accident. It was not like, oh, you know what? It's on our church, but it's people uh, intentionally bringing those things. And that's something to thank God. That's a practical way of showing love, true or not, okay? True or not. Sometimes you say, oh, people are not loving, okay? By the way, also realize people show love in different ways, right? True or not. Some people show love in real, tangible way, okay? Some guys, some men, you know, you might not be able to have the lovey-doveys with them, okay? And that's okay, okay? But they'll show love in practical ways. Say, hey, you know what, Jimmy? Or you know what, bro? We need to maybe fix this this way. I'm going to take care of church. I'm going to fix this up, right? I'm going to fix the plumbing here. I'm going to do this or that, right? Listen, some people might be sisters and your sisters say, hey, I wish there's other sisters I could pour my heart out to and I don't have that. They're not the same way as me. That's fine. But then they show their love in tangible way. Listen, that's the way our parents are too, right? Some of us, how do you know your mom and dad loves you? Some of you guys in Asian parents' background, your mom and dad never said, I love you, okay? You, your, your mom and dad might not say, I love you. Some of you guys, if you call, right, and say, hey, I love you, your mom and it was like, what's wrong? I remember when I called to my dad, I said, I love you when I was at UCLA, first time as a believer. My dad was like, what, what did you do? Did you get kicked out of school again? Like, is this high school again? Did you get, and I was like, oh, whoa, flashback when I was 15 and I'm like 24, right? Uh, and I was like, wow, there's a flashback. And then I was like, no, no, I just want to say I love you because I'm a Christian. He said, like, oh, okay, hanged up. And you know what? He called back again. He said, like, did you not tell me you got called to Iraq again? I was like, whoa, this is all an instant crazy flashback, right? Some of us might, uh, parents, but the, how do your our mom and dad shows love to us? Is they cook, okay? Listen the same way. We Listen, when you go to 4047 North Durfee Avenue, you know you show, get, get love. You get love by the Chinese congregation, right? Sometimes, oh, the Chinese congregation, oh, you know, whatever, we don't know who they are, but they show you love by what? They're cooking food for you, okay? It's just like an Italian mom, it's just the same thing like Chinese mom. The way to your, your stomach is the way they show love, okay? So in the same way, my people, my friends, my brothers and sisters, the way we need to see is we need to see the love of the church and be thankful for it. But not just be thankful, but the best way to be thankful is also say, pray God, praise God to God for them, but also say, Lord God, grow me to be like that. Grow me to be that person to show love in a practical way. And let that be an example for you to live it out, okay? Listen, despite all the different cultures, you know, second generation, all these things, you know, not all of us Chinese and everything else, right? No matter what, the way we show love, okay? The way we show love, it's important. You know, I, I love people are testifying, right? Uh, I, I'm, I'm reading the comments here. Normally in our church, right, it's really quiet. This is why I love the Burtons there, right? They're the, mm-hmm, amen, praise God, preach it, brother, all of that thing, okay? So in light of all this, I love how people are testifying. It's like, praise God for the Chinese congregation and all these things testifying, okay? We got to do that more. Show love in that way to say, uh-huh, you know, preach it, brother, right? And all of this, okay? So in the same way, Live this out, okay? We show love in different ways. And sometimes the way we find whether or not other people love is saying, hey, what are people they do that we don't do? And therefore, that should be something we should be thankful to God for, okay? So let's go to the third point is we need to thank God for other believers regularly, okay? We need to thank God for other believers regularly. 
Uh, notice in verses 16, we're going to only look at the first half. The second half is going to be next week onward, Lord willing. It says, do not cease giving thanks for you. Okay. Uh, I do not cease giving thanks for you. Some of your versions do not have the word I or some of your version do. Um, but there is an I in the Greek there, the first person. Singular, okay. What Paul is thankful for, what Paul is praying for, notice here it says he's giving thanks for you, okay. I want to look a little bit more closer at the word uh, thanks, okay. I want to look uh, at the word thanks, okay. Uh, a little bit in the Greek there, um, the word occurs eight, uh, 38 times in the New Testament. The majority of it is actually Paul, okay. Actually, I think it would be argued that, we, I think we could call him many things apostle of, you know, Gentiles, the apostle, you know, all this or that. But I also think, you know, contrary to some people, people, some people say, oh, he's cold. He's not very loving. But I think he was. It's just he's very honest with sin. But never confuse being honest with sin, being honest with our condition as unloving. Sometimes the most loving thing we could do is also point out some, hey, you're not, you need God's grace. But in order to unmask our pride, we need to show we're sinful and need of God's grace. He actually mentioned the word thanksgiving more than any other individual, okay, uh, in, the, in the scriptures, okay. He mentioned it 24 times in his letter. And twice this word thank, uh, thanksgiving appear in Ephesians, once, uh, in Ephesians, in this verse we're looking at, and also later on in Ephesians 5.20, okay. We'll get there when we get there, Ephesians 5, maybe towards the end of this year, okay. Um, so in light of this, what does this word mean? Uh, seeing how much is appeared originally means bestow a favor. Later, it has the idea of giving thanks. Okay, and it has the idea of not just outwardly saying you know uh, words just out of emotion, but it has the idea of your inner heart. You have gratitude, but you carry it out. You actually say the words. Okay, and so this is not the words say. Oh, I love my mom and dad, but I never say it to them. But this idea of like oh, it, you actually carry it out, action and with words. Okay, uh, this term. And this verb also is present tense, and I think this Greek is more the habitual idea. It's continuously. He's not just saying, you know, it's not as if I go to you guys and say, Hey, have you thanked God for other believers in the church? Like, yeah, I did. When you did, oh, November and Thanksgiving. This is, no, this is rather a lifestyle thing. This is a regular habit. This is something he does regularly. By the way, this verse in verses 16 also puts, uh, convey the manner of how he prays. How does he give thanks? Notice uh, in the beginning part, he says what? I do not cease, okay? Uh, I do not cease. What is meant by that is he is saying that he is regularly doing this, okay? And that whenever he prays, he does not forget to also go to God in thanksgiving and praying for them, that he's thankful for them. And by the way, this should be a habit for us too, okay? This should be a habit for us too. We need to regularly pray for people. But also the way we regularly pray for people is not just only for them to change or for things, what they want to be get answered. But in the midst of all this, I think it's a good habit. And I, by the way, when I say all this, is also I see some of you guys do live this out. In the midst of prayer sometimes for others, when especially a prayer meeting, right? When you pray for others, sometimes people say, hey, I thank God for God working in this area or just for this brother with this job or this situation or also for him just being a blessing, okay? Uh, so we need to live this out, okay? So as application... How do we regularly uh, thank God for people? I think the way to regularly thank God for people is regularly ask them questions of how they're doing spiritually. But for many of us, I imagine there's a challenge, okay? Uh, it is a challenge. Maybe you might say you're an introvert uh, and you don't easily talk to others, okay? And, and in light of this, is how do you, how do you, um, 
how do you initiate spiritual conversation, okay? Uh, I know I say this all the time. It's always debated. Uh, I do think my nature is I'm an introvert. Uh, I, uh, I love people. I talk to them, you know, minister to them because it's because I love God. And it's because I love them. But if left to my own device, my nature is I actually, um, I actually like the idea of just sitting there with my books and getting lost in books, okay? Uh, I love whatever I do. If I could read, I'm happy, okay? Uh, wake up in the morning. The first thing that I'm happy because what? I get to what? Read, okay? Then I read my theology book. Then afterward, um, you know, after I teach my daughters, you know what? I'm happy. I'm so excited after homeschooling is I get to what? Read, okay? Then when, you know, I go on walks, I get excited because what? Oh, I get to carry a book and read, okay? Then as I look at my steps, oh, I have not finished with my steps today. I need to walk at night. Oh, praise God that God is even kino. I could read, okay? Walk and read, okay? So I'm just happy to read. And after I come back from home, walking, I say, oh, okay, I'm tired. I get to sit down and relax. Oh, I, I'm happy with reading, okay? So that's, I'm an introvert. Uh, so I actually had to write down, how do I, uh, a few years ago, I sat down and said, how do I actually minister to people? Like, what questions should I ask? So these are questions that I wrote down that I, I do try to live this out, okay? Because it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, so hopefully it's helpful for you too. How do you, and listen, the way to thank God for other people regularly is to actually know what God is doing in their life. And the way to know what God's doing in their life is not for you to preach to them, but asking them good questions, okay? So these are good questions to really for spiritual conversations, and for the aim, so that you'll be thanking God for them, okay? Ask the question, the most simplest is three, le- three words. Say this after me. How are you? Okay? How are you? Okay? Are most simplest question, right? Non-loaded, non-judgmental. How are you? Okay? Second uh, question is, what have you been reading or learning from Scripture lately? Okay? What have you been reading or learning from Scripture reading lately? So they talk about the reading Scripture. If they're not, or whatever else, okay? Or if they are. You'll be blessed too. Like, oh wow, this is what God's been teaching you. Wow, those are wow. God's working you definitely in this area, and therefore you go to God and say, "Praise the Lord! Thank you, thank the Lord that God has been teaching him through His Word." Okay. Third question: What has God been teaching you lately? I ask this question because sometimes when you ask, "What have you been reading?" They, there's that guilt of, a, "Um, uh, um, I haven't read the Bible." Or they sometimes the worst is when they make up answers like, "Oh, what have you been reading?" My uh, the example I love is the Psalms. Oh, where in the Psalms? Uh, somewhere in the Psalms, because Psalms so big, right? Uh, what is it about? Um, praise God. Okay, it's like, oh, okay. Hallelujah. Like, oh, there's not a lot of hallelujahs. So where, where? The Psalms, the beginning of Psalms, which is, you already know the answer is not true, because more of the hallelujahs towards the end. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, so then I ask the third question, because I don't want them to sin or stumble them, right? Is what God been teaching to you, right? By the way, even when, if people are not reading the scriptures, sometimes God is still teaching them, Okay. So you're not there to be like, okay, the police, okay? You're just like, oh, what has God been teaching? And sometimes God is still teaching them. Sometimes it's in spite of their spiritual life. It's like, oh, God has been going through their trials and everything else and, and disciplining them. But um, God, what, what has God been teaching you lately, okay? Don't forget God works through providence too. Not just the scripture, but through providence situation. Another question sometimes, what can God, what can I pray for you for, okay? What can God, what can I pray for you for? Okay. Pay attention not just only to what they say, but sometimes also pay attention what they don't uh, ask for you to pray for. Okay. Sometimes that's also God's been working in their life for certain things, and God is also growing them in a certain area, or God has been answering also as well. And those are things you could be praising God for. Okay. Another application. Uh, another question is, you could ask them: Is have there been any questions you've been pondering concerning Christian life? Okay. Have you been? In, is there any question you had recently in your life about God? And even when they say, oh, yeah, I have so many questions, you know, but also pay attention sometimes 
certain question is very deep, but that's already presupposing they're learning about certain areas. And by the way, I think the Christian life, the more you learn, the more you learn that what? There's many things you do not know. Does that make sense? So even for that, that's something to praise God for. For instance, if someone's asking you to pray like, Oh, I don't understand the Trinity. I have these tough questions. I know the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is God, but how does it all matter? But notice what you see here. They already know that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit should be God. Versus someone that say, Oh, I don't believe the Son, Holy Spirit is God. Do you see the difference? When you're paying attention, you're like, Hey, praise God that we're growing. Okay, does that make sense? So another uh, question to ask is, How's your walk with God? How's your faith? Sometimes when I ask the question, how are you? People could give their whole life story, right? Uh, nothing wrong with that, but sometimes like there's nothing spiritual at all. Sometimes just go to jugulars. Hey, how's your walk with God? Right? How's your walk with God? So then even when they're sharing, there's still things you should praise God for. Does that make sense? With that. And by the way, another way of application is take advantage of prayer meeting. Okay? Say this after me. Take advantage of prayer meeting. Okay? Not just say just to pray. For their problems, other people's problems, but also say, hey, praise God for what God is working in their life, okay? Praise God, and even with them sharing, be always on, uh, you should be like a metal detector to metals, to things that what it is you thank God for God's working in, okay? By the way, I think if you live this kind of life of always be constantly looking for things to thank God for and others, you'll live a much more happier Christian life. Not that it's all about happiness, but your quality of your Christian life is much more better than what? Living a life that's cynical or living a life of gossip. And I know here some of you guys struggle with gossip. Talk to me now, okay? Some of you guys do. The best way, you, 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 sometimes the way we fight gossip is, well, oh, I'm not going to find out information about others. But you're just the kind of guy that God has wired you that, man, if, you, if there's a draft, you probably won't be a frontline troop. You might not be a guy that's going to be a fighter, shoot well. You might be a good intel guy. Talk to me. Some of you guys are good, like, like that. You just are good with information. But rather than just go against what God has designed you to be, rather than all that, just now you find out about others, but not to say bad things about them or pass out juicy, uh, bad information about others, but God may perhaps wired you to say, oh, it is good to find out about others so you could thank God for others, okay? Listen, the best way for a gossiper to remove that sin is not to say, oh, I'll never ever find out other people again and therefore not love and be a lone wolf. That's not unbiblical too. The biblical thing is, yes, know about others to thank God for what God is working in other people's life. Put off gossip and put on what? Love of God and a heart of thanksgiving to God of what you're thankful for, okay? So thank God for other believers regularly and take advantage of even prayer meeting like what we'll have soon uh, so that we could also thank God for them and what God is working in the lives of others. And ultimately, we thank God because even with the worst of case, when it's hard to thank God, we could always thank God that God is what in the business of saving people, even people that are sinful. And sometimes God allows a situation where, man, it's so hard to be thankful for others or thankful for certain individuals, but you could thankful for one thing, those they are sinners. Though they are not perfect, God has saved them. And God has saved you and I. And that's something we could always thank be an attitude of thanksgiving for. So let's close in a prayer of thanksgiving to God for saving us through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful, Lord, that Christ came and died for our sins. Lord, prepare our hearts even for next week as we look into the details of Paul's prayer. We're going to see that a lot of it is the details of what Christ has done to save us. So it's in this attitude of thanksgiving that we want to thank you for saving us. And Lord, make us into a people that's thankful for others. 
and that we're thankful enough that we go to you in prayer and thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, that you've put us in the body with people that have faith and trust in you, and also as well that have love towards others. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.